This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. From the loft here in Providence, Rhode Island, I sit down with the innovators behind handmade prosthetics and the handmade film, Braden Leonard and Micah Reyes. Braden Leonard is a veteran firefighter, an avid outdoor enthusiast, and a resident of Newport, Rhode Island. Following a mountain bike accident and subsequent infection that ultimately resulted in the amputation of his right hand, Braden set forth to design and create a prosthetic that would allow himself and others to meet the rigorous demands of activities such as mountain biking and motorcycle riding. Realizing the opportunity to fill this market space with his own designs, Braden began bouncing ideas back and forth with friend and innovator Micah Reyes. In 2017, the project, dubbed Handmade, received an extensive grant to work at the Autodesk Build Space, located in the Innovation and Design Building in Boston. With a prototype designed, tested, and constructed, they're about to demonstrate the prosthetic system. Via a national motorcycle journey, Braden will begin with his father and through the production of the film Handmade, a documentary following their journey. All right, we are here at the Bartholomew Town Loft in Providence, Rhode Island, with the men behind Handmade, uh, Braden Leonard, Mike Reyes. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Bill. All right, so, Braden, if you could just give the audience kind of a quick summary of uh, your experience from the time you had a bike accident. Was it the cliff walk that you... That incident happened? Um, it was Ballard Park, actually. Ballard Park, in, okay. In Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, yeah, just a summary of... Um, essentially, I was uh, just going for a training ride, doing some mountain biking with uh, my friend Willem Cooper. He's uh, actually a professional mountain biker. And we were kind of doing some training to possibly get into some some races or something, and... I had a fall in the middle of the ride, uh, ended up, my front wheel got pinched between two rocks, I got kind of ejected over the handlebars. Uh, reaching out to protect myself in the fall, I, you know, went palm first into a tree, and that, uh, you know, inserted a thorn deep into my palm, into the fascia tissue. It hurt a little bit, you know, I didn't think much of it, kind of pulled the thorn out, kept riding for another five miles or so, and went home cleaned out the wound a little bit and didn't, didn't think a whole lot of it um and then the next day my hand has started to swell and my girlfriend at the time noticed a red line going up my arm and I almost didn't go to the hospital I was supposed to actually I just got a new mountain bike I was supposed to go to New Hampshire to do some downhill riding the following day so I didn't want to you know be in the hospital all night waiting around in the emergency room uh Katie convinced me to go and ended up saving my life really because uh if i had if i hadn't if i had waited if i hadn't gone in when i did i probably would have died uh what had happened the puncture had inserted um a flesh-eating bacterial infection into the tissue uh, it's known as necrotizing fasciitis and probably within 24 hours of uh, going to newport hospital i was transferred to rhode island hospital and not long after that i was put into a medically induced coma uh just they were. They had me on life support. 
my body's immune response to the infection was essentially killing me, shutting my lungs down. I was going into acute respiratory uh, distress syndrome and um, toxic shock syndrome. Uh, they ended up having to amputate my hand to stem the spread of the infection. Um, and so I woke up from this coma and, and it was gone. Um, I kind of accepted it for what it was. I was, you know, I felt lucky to be alive. Uh, and almost immediately, once I got out, you know, started the healing process. There were a few revisions to the amputation. Um, and there was a lot of sensitivity. There were nerves trying to regrow. So um, started the process of getting fitted for a prosthetic uh, almost immediately, as, as, as soon as I could, you know, after, after all the, you know, the revision surgeries and, and the recovery. Um, my initial goal was to return to active duty as a firefighter with, uh, with a prosthetic. I, I had assumed, you know, based on viral videos and everything else that, you know, prosthetics were, you know, beyond, we were, we had already exceeded human capabilities with prosthetic technology. And I guess until you're really there and and looking at them and in the market for one, uh, then you can kind of become aware of the shortcomings and, and there are many, uh, like having a good fit is, you know, really difficult to achieve, uh, particularly with upper limb amputees. Um, finding something that gives you a good connection to the body, that transfers power and movement, um, and that you can pull on, and you know, apply force to. It's it's a difficult problem to solve and still have um, a reasonable range of motion. So, uh, for lower limbs, it's it's been a problem that's been being addressed. Uh, for more time, it's a far greater incidence of lower limb amputations than upper limb. So there's more people working on that, and it's to a degree, it's an easier problem to solve. You're you're stepping into it. You're constantly you're building loading. kinetic energy with the ground, essentially. Is that, As, is that uh, with is? some with some designs that yeah. that rely on a pump? Uh, but just in general, you're compressing into it. You're not pulling on it. You're not mm-hmm. doing a lot of pulling action with your leg. You're the, the most you're pulling is the weight of the prosthetic itself every time you take a step. Right. You're not hanging from it, typically. Uh, you're not trying to climb things, you know, while pulling. So Certainly not trying to pass a firefighter's exactly, exactly extreme mountain biking. Yeah, and um, the, the test could probably be passed. I could probably, like, in all honesty, pass the test with one hand. But real-world situations, you know, and having been there for, you know, 13 years, uh, you know that there are situations that you can't predict, you can't really prepare for, and you just have to be ready. Uh, right. And I didn't feel confident in trusting my life or someone else's life to something that's not fully developed, something that's not going to... It's a hard thing to do. So there's, the, there's a problem, and... You rather than you know well, one you weren't really able to find anything adequate on the market and, and anything that was kind of being designed was in the medical supply side of things versus like an athletic tool for example so it was massively expensive so there was a night where you drew on a bar napkin sort of the beginnings of what would become your own design to create this prosthetic is that. Uh, kind of a fair summary. It was actually a napkin ring, which is... Oh, even better. Yeah, maybe <laughs> one inch by three inches or something. Um, it was a simple sketch for a handlebar clamp. 
and I, I believe I was in Colorado uh, talking uh, to some of my kind of adventure buddies out there, and we're sitting around after you know a day of snowboarding and talking about mountain biking and you know other things I'm trying to get back to doing. And uh, I drew that up. I actually texted a picture of it to Micah to get his thoughts. I knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is how a lot of our <laughs> our ideas start. Out, so how did you, Mike, How did you actually get involved? And in when you got the text of the, you, you're an innovator yourself. Um, did you see something that would be kind of an instant opportunity to to one help your friend, our friend Braden, but then also to to improve humankind? Really? No, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> well, it was totally, <laughs> so totally out I, of the blue. Well, just a little rewind. Um, I. Um, I, at the time, was working for a, a sailboat mass manufacturer, um, and I, I was in charge of designing and building a lot of small parts for them, and so that, in turn, um, kind of made it a little bit sensible and easy for me to look at some of the problems that Braden was facing and at, at making small parts, except for this one gets attached to a human instead of a, a sailboat. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he would come to me with different ideas or whatever and then i would you know ping him back with some some you know you can do this a little better here's a couple pointers here but it i i didn't really want to get into prosthetics <laughs> just ended up there yeah eventually i feel like that's the, that's a story a lot of times you hear with people is they didn't really want to end up doing what they were doing necessarily they just sort of landed there based on circumstance you know, is that you feel like you're, you know, the universe sort of just said, you know what, you're doing this. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting design problem. Um, you can help people. You can help your friends, or in this case, Braden. Um, and uh, that that was important to me. Um, and um, it's it's just interesting. Put it that way. Sure. So you guys are texting back and forth. This is becoming more and more of uh, an actual project and less of an idea over time. At what point did you start working with Autodesk to uh, so, which is, and what is Autodesk? Kind of a quick summary of, okay. of what that is as well. Um, I think I can probably answer this one. Sure. Uh, so I was at my friend Andrea's birthday party and a sailing friend of mine was there. So uh, I, I did a lot of sailing in the Caribbean before I ever moved to Newport and someone that I knew from the Caribbean was at the birthday party and he had just started working for Autodesk and mentioned this program um, that Autodesk was sponsoring, allowing startups to come in uh, and um, design things, build things in their space in Boston. Um, so immediately over the next couple of days, um, Braden and I applied under the product design firm um, and then Braden eventually formed Handmade from that. Um, but that's your that's, own. So you applied under your own product design firm, basically, and then yes, created a subdivision. Then Braden, or he's got an independent. You, it's, it's totally a standalone. Yeah, yeah standalone. Yeah, scenario. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I, you, you needed some significant amounts of insurance to get in there, and so yeah. on and so forth. And and it was, it was teed up. Like I, I already had everything ready to go. It was almost turnkey. I just had to get Massachusetts insurance in order to get in there. Um, and they were excited about the project as well over at, over at Autodesk. Um, so Autodesk, if you guys don't know, is a, a large software company. Um, they made a, a software called AutoCAD back in the day, 
and I think in the 70s or 80s or something like that. And since then, they've been either building their own or acquiring other software companies for design and for actually movie making. Um, and they've been a great um, partner and help in this whole uh, endeavor of trying to make something cool. Yeah. And this all started about a year ago from... year and a half. year and a half ago. Yeah, it was like about the same time that... What was it like? Or so, oh yeah, 2016, beginning of 2016. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, so now we're here a year and a half later, um, and you have been, there's been a lot of trial and error, error that's trial and error <laughs> <laughs> during this era. <laughs> uh, and and you're at a point now where you're basically um, refining to braiding, you're, you're, you're going to go on a, a motorcycle trip, um, Maybe not cross country, but deep into the country with with your dad, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the next step to display the device that you've created. Is that sort of a um, more or less? You know, it's a series of components. So, yep. while I was still in Colorado, I mean, probably the within a couple of days of the the napkin ring drawing, I actually uh, made a proper mechanical drawing, uh, brought it to a machine shop that was uh, in Golden, where I was living at the time, and had. The first proto is a very crude prototype, um, but had it fabricated there, and then I was able to start riding with it. And that at that point, I had something to show Micah, so he he knew what I was talking about. Um, and and I was telling some of the other problems. So this was this part was working out fairly well, and I was using a socket that I had uh, made in Minnesota, on uh, and we were it was an experimental technology using. Um, uh, elevated vacuum. So basically, the socket or the you know the you'll see these carbon fiber composite chassis that will go over the limb. Um, that was actually a, a vacuum chamber that was uh, conformed to my limb. It didn't give it a lot of room for movement. So once you applied vacuum to this um, to this chamber to the socket, it would actually pull all the tissue out to the outer walls, and it had this dimpled material, so it would lock you in pretty well, and it worked really well for about half an hour at a time until you started losing that vacuum, sweat, movement, and once that vacuum broke, then it would almost uh, become a detriment, because if it moved away a little bit, it would create a vacuum pocket on the the distal end, or the the furthest end away, and it would actually try to pull all the blood and tissue into that vacuum pocket, which is incredibly painful. So, while again, a great solution for lower limbs, you're constantly compressing into it, uh, and you're talking about the kinetic energy, every time you take a step, it would actually actuate a pump to draw more vacuum so you'd maintain that environment um again hopefully you know maybe that'll improve it was also very bulky just to be able to create that sealed system and all the layers that were necessary so it it sort of felt like uh mega man like you were wearing this cannon on your arm so it was a bit cumbersome um but it, it did allow me to test um the the bartender which is the terminal device and a terminal device is any um, sort of use-specific uh, prosthetic device that would attach to the end of a socket. Um, so using the, the bartender terminal device, other parts were breaking around it. Uh, there's a wrist unit, and that's sort of a universal adapter where you can attach various terminal devices. Uh, I broke the adapter that threads onto the terminal device itself and the wrist unit itself on multiple units. And these are quite expensive, expensive parts yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, like the whole thing with the fabrication I think that that vacuum socket was around $30,000 and that's um, a piece that you broke 
uh, that that whole assembly was was for that price. So there's all these components that okay. that comprise that assembly, um, and the wrist unit being one of them. There's liners, uh, and there's other bits of hardware that help attach it to the body and you know work on the interface. Um, so one of the problems that I noticed was uh, the lack of ability or the reduced ability to transmit pronation and supination. So it's this action where you. You know, rotate your palm from up to down. For What's you, that, for yeah. you non-medical nerds, it just means twisting your arm, twisting gotcha. your wrist, palm up, palm down, <laughs> rotation. Nice. So, I got some yeah. uh, lingo education today. Thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so that was a problem that I had an idea that you know we could maybe extend instead of like rotating around a single point, we could extend the radius and the ulna, which are the you know your two main arm bones, lower forearm bones. Um, and help transmit that rotation because they kind of twist around one another when you when you rotate your wrist up and down. Okay. Um, and then the other thing was uh, a wrist unit, and Maiko was instrumental in that. We came up with a, a system that would allow it to rotate freely under load, which is important if you're doing any two-handed activity, like swinging a bat or an axe or a golf club or any, any sort of action where your kind of hands need to move around one another. And that was sort of limited in the existing uh, wrist units, and also one of the ways that they had broken. So we kind of built something that's absolutely bomb-proof. Um, so, Michael, from your perspective, with all of these components as they've been refined and designed, and uh, well, I guess it would be the other way around, designed and refined, and, and now you've got a, a product that, a system, if you will, um, from your perspective, what's next for designing this specific product i think then the next part is finalizing the drawings into something that will be going onto the market and then getting the getting the medical device approvals um through the the government essentially yeah, for is that for state or that's so that'd be FDA, federal, federal. Yep. Um, and then, um, and, and that, that process is very complex. Um, and unfortunately, with, the, with how the, the healthcare in the USA is set up, they essentially set the prices for you before you, before, like you, you know what price you're selling for before you even have designed anything. So you have to design within those parameters. So a lot of our refinements have been to get the, pri- the prices of the things that we're designing within the price points of what is economically feasible in the environment of the United States of America. And that's really frustrating. Um, and it's it also and, and if you were to really innovate and you, if you were to you know, make something completely different the world has never seen before, you have to get a new code in order for the in order for Medicare or an insurance company to pay for it. And that takes, it's a long process. It's a couple of years. Um, so um, I think the first step is to get the viable products that we have onto the market, the vital products that Braden has designed and built. Um, and, and then that would go a long way in, in allowing the company to survive in order to get some of the more innovative stuff, which Braden has come up with. It's really neat in order and in like give it enough time to get onto the market. How do people who are out there who want to learn more about what you're doing or contribute in some way, whether it be expertise or financial support, 
how do they best get a hold of you guys right now? Uh, so I have a website. It's handmadeprosthetics.com. Um, also, hmppbc.com. Okay, and those will all be clickable in the description of this podcast as well. We'll put okay. those in there. Thank you, Bill. So let's turn, uh, just finalize here with the film project that is that is out there, also of the same name, Handmade. Um, this is, seems to be a documentary of your experience creating and then putting it into the real world, the product into the real world with the motorcycle uh, journey and other things. What's the what's the status of that film project? Um, we have a trailer out. If you guys would like to go see it uh, online, um, we are looking for production partners and corporate sponsors to help fund the film, um, and we'll go from there. Uh, we'd like to show, we'd like to tell the story because it's very compelling. We've gotten so many. Uh, likes and interests and people watching the video and commenting on it from um, the Discovery Channel, from Mashable. We're talking to another couple large media outlets. Rhode Island Public Radio did something with with you. Is that right? Is that, I was uh, Boston Public Radio. It was Boston Radio. Public Radio. Yeah, right. was actually okay. picked up. Uh, WGBH. Was actually, yep. Uh, yep. B, uh, WBUR, actually. You are. Okay, yep. yep. Um, Bruce Gellerman did the story, and it ended up, uh, running on here and now is picked up by the national syndicate. So. Right. So you guys have this message is out there. I mean, people, uh, if you're paying attention to the innovation world, you should at least be somewhat aware of what the work you're doing. You think that's a fair statement? I mean, for inside baseball people who actually pay attention, does that seem like do you feel comfortable with where you've marketed it so far? It's it's all about harnessing energy into a positive way and uh i don't know that we've done it well to be honest yeah. with you um <laughs> and uh it's, it's good it's good to be out there good to have have interest and have uh, a lot of goodwill about the project but um we at this point need some uh funding for the film funding for the business and really needed to get a move on getting uh products onto the market uh that's that's the next step and i think that um braden proving that it's a viable product by riding across the country with stuff that he designed is um, is going to be a big step of it, um, in the whole thing and I I would like to just make an aside here mm-hmm. and rewind on this whole story you've, you've heard it at this point but it's incredible to me that you have a firefighting amputee that's learned how to make things like when I when we started out uh, Braden didn't know how to make things in the machine shop and hardly knew how to draw things um and now he's pretty good at doing it all on his own so i don't i I actually don't do very much work in the company anymore (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes Um, that senior advisory position like an editor or producer for an artist you know i mean or a journalist you know checking giving a couple pointers here and there and absolutely but it's it's a it's a really cool story to see how a committed person can make a difference in an industry within a year and a half um, and to really build something that the world has never seen before. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because yeah, it's not like you, you were, yeah, <laughs> well, it's not like you were, you know, in school or in, in the field uh, doing this before you started working on it and it sends a great message to people out there who are, you know, facing any kind of obstacle, you know, you can, you can, um, educate yourself and cre- and if you find the right partners too I think that's what's so 
interesting about handmade is that it's a you know obviously you're driving the ship it's literally your hand you know yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean but it's a partnership and I don't think it you know without Autodesk without your collaboration without even community Absolutely. support it'd be tough oh. to see this where it's at without now. a doubt so I mean. and that's what made that's what's so compelling about it my last question for for each of you if uh, 30 seconds each uh, or roughly it's not radio here so whatever but uh, Rhode Island, the state of Rhode Island, there's a, uh, we've got innovation hubs being created at Quonset Point. There's going to be another one built in um, Newport. There's a lot of talk about uh, today Rhode Island has, for the first time ever, more than 500,000 jobs that are that's, – that's just on-the-books jobs. Um, so things seem to be moving in the right direction. There's cranes in the sky in Providence – for someone who's actually making a product right now, and, and you involved in a whole bunch of stuff, what's Rhode Island, where does Rhode Island stand? Is it a good place to seek venture capital and to create a product? And if it's not, what can be done to improve it? Start with Micah. Rhode Island, to me, is poised for a large explosion in... Um, in jobs and in innovation. Uh, I think that with the proximity to Boston, you have the proximity to the venture capital. Um, it's not currently in Rhode Island. You have to go to Boston for it. Uh, and what Rhode Island does bring, though, is it brings a wealth of expertise in, in boat building and in building things. Um, you look at companies like Brown & Sharp, which is now Hexagon, um, making the top... Um, precision measuring equipment in the world and you have all the boat building uh industry that has been in bristol rhode island for a very long time and the the expertise from boat building is key for building large composite structures and you look at where europe is going with manufacturing as far as manufacturing buildings and bridges it's all going to composites and replacing steel with fiberglass um, and full fiberglass facades of buildings such as museums in Amsterdam and so on and so forth. There's nowhere else in the USA that's poised to build those structures as well as, as Rhode Island. Um, now, some of that might end up going to a more arid environment where it's better for composites at some point in time. But as far as the expertise and the skill goes, there's probably nowhere that is as paralleled in the composites world as Rhode Island. And in the manufacturing world, it's, it's right up there with just about everywhere else and the proximity to boston and venture capital is like icing on the cake like it's it's i did i did, can't believe i ended up here it's pretty cool Braden, your same question rhode island specifically what's it like for you you're a new porter so you have you could almost break it down another level where there's a big push for an innovation hub to be constructed and and you have the navy right there still you know what's it like for you though as, as an innovator in rhode island we've um I haven't had um, any capital coming in. I've been uh, self-funding up until this point. Um, I kind of wanted to keep it a little close if um, the right partner comes along that kind of shares our mission, uh, which is detailed on the website. Um, I would, I'd be willing to work with them. Uh, as it is now, I'm trying to get it to that next step uh, so we can actually start generating revenue so we can continue to innovate and expand um, and I'd, and I'd like to keep it closely held. Uh, one of my concerns in this industry is that 
it's really easy to be predatory. You have uh, like you have a population that has a need, and I don't want to exploit that need. I want to try to get these things into people's hands or give them right. the hands, get them going. And obviously, to be a viable company, we need to make a profit, but I don't want that to be the primary motivator of Handmade. That's something you and I share for sure. Yeah. Self-funding and, you know, I think, and you you know, you would agree with this, I'm sure, that if the, Micah, you would agree with this, if, um, you know, it's great to meet people and obviously, you, you know, someone walked in right now and said, hey man, I'll just blindly give you money. I think we'd all say, okay, you know course, I mean? Like, yeah. We're not gonna, you know, we're not above, uh, you're not Mother Teresa or whatever mm-hmm, here, yeah. you know, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's like seeking those partnerships that to me has been kind of the biggest challenge in Rhode Island is that like you say that that limited pool you got to look to New York or you've got to look to Boston a lot of times to find partners I'm fortunately there are people here in my case that I've found that have been good expertise partners or you know Which whatever there's a lot of value in that uh, right. sometimes and then that, more that's value, so than you know? direct capital right especially at, at the startup level yeah. you know but it's an interesting challenge because there's obviously Rhode Island School of Design, which with my wife attending, I've had a chance to see how much industrial design work is coming out of there and how much – I don't know what the word is. It's almost just like practical art. Like uh, someone uh, – it's been on this program. We're actually um, – you can you can check out his episode, uh, Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz – um, who's a gubernatorial candidate had mentioned to me, well, it's very important to have not only innovators, but also to have creatives who are keeping us in the age of AI and everything that keep our moral compass, right. you know, and it's, so painting and music and things like this kind of factor into the bigger picture, that philosophical side. And it feels like Rhode Island has all Remind the, us all that we're still things. human. Yeah, we got nature. Yeah. Yeah, we're human beings. We've got yeah. artists here. We've got sort of the rights geographic location for it to be huge and I feel like you guys are right on the front lines of what you described Micah as like yeah like an explosion of ideas and innovation so it's really cool Uh, any final message to the great people of the Bartholomew Town listenership base (laughs) please feel free to get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you and love to hear your ideas and uh, see how we can help you or you can help us it'd be awesome to partner with all of you bartholomew town listeners yeah absolutely <laughs> and yeah i would uh send a message if there are any amputees particularly upper limb amputees that uh, might be interested in what we're doing or actually in the process of starting a pilot testing program to get uh some of these uh this beta run of prototypes out and you know in the field getting used getting beat up uh someone has a problem they need to solve there's actually um Something that we've done already, one of my partners at Handmade, uh, Michael Nunnery from Nunnery O&P in North Kingstown, um, had a patient that wanted to operate heavy machinery and something that we were able to draw up, prototype in a few days, and he's using it. He's now, he was a, a lumberjack, you know, using heavy equipment in the field to move trees, and now he's operating um, bulldozers and skid steers again with this uh, prosthetic that we've created for him, and there's a a few other people kind of requesting that. So it was something, yeah. you know, there's some solutions out there that are simpler than others. And if you have, you know, if you have an idea, have something, if there's some way that we can help, we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it seemed very interactive. You know what I mean? You're also easily to approach, easy to approach if uh, 
you know, you're out doing a lot of work in co-working environments like Empire and in, in, in on Broadway in uh, Newport. I almost said Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much are the same place these days. <laughs> All right, uh, Braden Leonard, Mike Reyes, thank you so much for coming to Bartholomew Town Handmade Film. And click on the links in the description to get in touch with these fine gentlemen. Handmade prosthetics as well. Handmade prosthetics. Yeah, well, yeah, that's actually what it is. Then the film is about them. But the website's handmade film, though. That's there's, uh, there's so there's a handmade film dot yep. com. No, film handmade. Film handmade. Hand okay, there it is. Mike is the producer, so yeah, lots well, um, of he's he needs to know that. <laughs> wears yeah. many hats, <laughs> and it's handmade prosthetics dot com and HMP PBC, which is Public Benefit Corporation. Okay, that's where. Yeah, uh, I was wondering for, what that was. Yeah, for, you know, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Yeah. Great. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform. You may also find us at BartholomewTown.com or through our friends, TheNewPortBuzz.com. Until next time, thanks for visiting Bartholomew Town, and we'll talk soon.